Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are now listening to Vigilantes Radio, presented by the only one media group. This is the people's choice for quality interviews, celebrities, and special guests. Hosted by Demetrius Dinny Reynolds. Call in to join the mix at 701-801-9813. For the complete archive of episodes, visit onlyonemediagroup.com and be sure to like us on Facebook at Vigilantes Radio. We welcome all. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Demetrius Houdini Black Reynolds. Enjoy the show. At dollarseed.com, all of our seeds are only a dollar a pack. And we have online resources that teach you all about the rewarding hobby of growing your own plants, flowers, herbs, and vegetables. Imagine the joy you'll feel when your children actually help you harvest your first garden crop. Or the pride of knowing you'll never need a florist again. Visit dollarseed.com and grow a little magic of your own for just a dollar. dollarseed.com. What could be healthier? Hey, hey, hey. What is up, guys? Welcome again. You are listening to Vigilantes Radio Live right here on iHeartRadio. And I am your host, Dini. It's time to go over to the phone lines. We have another special guest for you guys, so make sure you stick around for that. And as a matter of fact, text your buddies, family members, or even share it on social media right now and let them know that we are about to dive deep into another interview. Before I bring my guest on, I do want to say the person you pay the most attention to is, can you guess? It's yourself. (laughs) The things you say to yourself, you tend to believe without a question. And unfortunately, too many people talk too negatively about themselves too much all the time. Like, yo, get out of my ear, man. Shut up. That's what you got to tell yourself. The good news is that it's very easy to correct that problem. After all, you control what you say to yourself. So uh, choose to be positive when talking to yourself rather than thinking I'll never be able to do that. Tell yourself this is a great challenge that will bring out the best in me. Have you ever offered words of encouragement to someone else? Well, that's great. Remember to give yourself the same encouragement on a regular basis. And trust me, guys, this is man in the mirror talk right here, right? This is not only for you, but it's for me too. 
So let yourself know that you believe in you. Remind yourself that you are worthy and capable of the best life has to offer. You are your own best motivational speaker. And make a point to give yourself some positive encouragement every day. It will truly bring out the best in you. Oftentimes, I find myself speaking out loud. People are like, yo, who are you talking to? Oh, man, I'm just talking to myself. Sometimes I got to tell myself things. Yo, get after it. Yo, get up and do that. I need that, right? Some accountability. Anyway, take that from me, Coach Dini. That is my word, and word is bond. Have you struggled budgeting your finances? Don't worry, you're not alone. HumbledBudget.com, that's H-U-M-B-L-E-D-B-U-D-G-E-T.com is the help and resource you've been searching for. HumbledBudget.com is a personal finance and educational website with a great variety of topics when it comes to budgeting, taxes, investing, and the popular topic of FIRE, financial independence, retire early. HumbledBudget.com has a goal, and that's to help you reach your financial dreams, no matter what your goals are when it comes to finances. It doesn't matter where you start, where you come from, or where you are right now. HumbledBudget.com can help. What are you waiting for? Take that first step to the financial life you've dreamed of and go to HumbledBudget.com. That's H-U-M-B-L-E-D-B-U-D-G-E-T. HumbledBudget.com. All right, all right. Again, welcome to the show, guys. You are listening to VRL. That's Vigilantes Radio Live right here on iHeartRadio. And I'm your host, Dini. Our interviews are designed to go beyond the music, news, books, art, acting, films, technology, education, entrepreneurship, entertainment, and sometimes even that thing that we call the ego. Our interviews are designed to go behind the scenes and into the minds of these awesome human beings. You know the ones who are out there giving it their all for me for you and for the world. With that, let's welcome entrepreneur, education administrator, independent filmmaker, David Velo Stewart to our show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Hello, hello. Hey, Can you man. Hear me? I, yes, sir. Loud and clear. Nice. How, are, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. Well, I can't complain, but nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> and um, I have also with me uh, Alonzo, the Grandmaster Alonzo Williams is also um, joining me as well Okay, let's welcome the Grandmaster Alonzo What's up man, welcome to the show Alright, well I guess we can uh, do some small talk until he That's comes right. back <laughs> No worries, no worries. But, well, I can let you know who he is uh, He's the subject of our, our, our new documentary uh, It's called Eve After Dark and Alonzo is the uh, creator of the World Class Wrecking Crew. I'm not sure if you uh, yeah. remember the World Class. It's uh, it's where uh, Dr. Dre and and, and Yella all began uh, their careers. He was the first person to hire Dr. Dre to be a DJ, and um, he did it at the club called Eve After Dark, which is was featured in the set design of Super Bowl Fifty Six. So not the Rihanna Super Bowl halftime show, but the one before. Um, and so uh, after the Super Bowl of last year, uh, we decided, like, hey, let's tell the story. Because many people may have saw the sign Eve After Dark and didn't know what it, what it was about. So it's about the first hip-hop club on the West Coast. And we tell the beginning origin story all the way to it shut down in 1985. Wow. Uh, Lonzo is here with us. Welcome again, sir. I'm back. How we sounding now? You sounding good. Sounding good. Fantastic. Fantastic. So that's interesting. Eve at the Dark closed in '85. Why did it close? 
Um, um, so, go ahead, Lonzo. Go ahead. Too many, uh, too, shut too many reasons. Shut yeah. Okay, um, police. Police. Uh, it got to the point where um, I had an issue with a cop, and it was really, really kind of, kind of terrified, man, because you got somebody with a badge that just don't like you because you're successful, and he can say whatever you want to say about you. He went through the hassle of um, getting shut down early. We had a, we had a, we was, we was the only club, one of the few clubs in L.A. that stayed open to, to past five o'clock in the morning sometime. All the, and it was a teen club, eighteen and over, and. Um, at some point in time, he felt that I was becoming a nuisance because I would call the police on the dope dealers. Anybody trying to sell dope in my club? I know I sound like a hater, but hey, man, that was part of the deal with the old man who owned the building. He didn't want any dope in his club, so I came up with an idea to have some undercover cops patrol the bathroom, male and female. If you got caught selling dope in the club, you know, we had to establish ourselves. We called the police and go to court. Hmm. Cop told me I was a nuisance. And then he tells me, uh, I, I, I make it, I try to make an offer for the uh, to the policeman's fund. He tells me, forget that. I want some of that pussy over there. I'm like, oh, no. And he's pointing at a girl I was dating. I'm like, oh, this is going to end up real bad. So from that point on, man, he made his point to just try to um, all, but, uh, all but ruin me, man. He gave me tickets for nothing. And just so happened I lived in the same area at the club, so he knew where I lived at. And do not have to sneak home at nighttime, drive up, drive up side streets to avoid. Because if he saw me, he gonna pull me over. And usually, I would have my gun on me or I'd have some money. And I didn't want, I didn't want to catch a, catch a case like that. Although he did, it, they, he didn't catch me. Somebody caught me with my gun, and they labeled me armed and dangerous. And every time they pulled me over, man, they came out like I robbed the bank or something. Dude, it was really a terrifying time of my life, Dak. So I left there and uh, moved moved around the corner, literally to Compton. And the club Dudo that you see in the movie Straight Outta Compton is where I, I, I set up my operation at. And it was a whole different situation. Wow, man. 85. I, I could imagine, man. There's no cameras around. This cops against you. Nope. And I'm, 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 most of the time I'm traveling. It's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes. And uh, he worked the, uh, I guess, the graveyard shift, man. And he just made it a point that uh he was gonna get me and it got down to the point at one time he uh he finally went down to the city to the uh, county uh supervisors and had them add dj to not to uh none of the uh uh entertainment that couldn't be go past two o'clock the ordinance said no no jukebox or no live bands at this time in 85 djs weren't a factor djs weren't a big deal so long you, the main source of entertainment was jukebox and live entertainment and bands. So once he, once they, uh, we found that loophole. We worked that loophole for almost five years before they caught up with us. And uh, he made it a point to go to the supervisor and had them add DJ to the ordinance. Brought the paperwork to the club and was trying to give me a ticket for something I didn't know I he'd even done. And then one of his uh, one of his uh, subordinates was like, "Man, I'm tired of giving this guy a ticket. He don't do nothing." And it, it got into it. And uh, he said, "Now the uh, the, the uh, sergeant, I'll take you before the captain." The guy said, "Let's go. Let's go. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this, man. This guy don't do nothing. I'm writing him tickets because we filed a complaint on the sergeant, so we started having his underlings write write the tickets. And this guy was he was a trainer also, so he he was training this guy how to harass people. And the guy said, "This guy tired of it, man. By that time, 
it got to the point where the old man who actually owned the building was like, dude, it's too much heat. We got to do something different. So I'd already cut a deal with the old man around the corner. Uh, and my club is in L.A. County. Dudos is in L.A., I mean, in Compton City. And just so happened I had a cousin on the police force. I had guys I went to school with on the police force. And uh, it changed my whole life completely. No more stress. Yeah, yeah. So, Mr. Williams, even though you had uh, undercover cops in your establishment, you know, helping keeping the drugs out, and then you're actively taking these, you know, perpetrators to court, that that still didn't help you? No, man. um, It's not so much what you were trying to do is that the fact that the people that made the initial contact was, for lack of a better word, assholes. Mm, So... It just made it, it just made me seem like like you said you're a nuisance. I now because of me, he has to go to work. He got to file a report. He got to handcuff and go to the station. This guy, dude, he 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 um he patrolled my neighborhood like I said before, and we knew all the girls he was sleeping with. I mean, this dude was he was a bad dude, man. He was a bad dude. He was robbing dope dealers. Uh, conversation had been had about his safety. Dude, it was really bad because he came to our community and just wreaked havoc. And I guess because he felt he felt that I was one of the, uh, I was a part of the dope ring. Everybody in my street sold dope except for me. I didn't have to. I had a nightclub. Yeah. But he figured in his head that because we all knew each other, we all were in business together. Either I was fun for them or I was the kingpin, and I had nothing to do with that. And they respected my club. I respected what they did. And that these guys, we all grew up together, so you know we had a mutual, uh, we had a history together, and everybody, under, everybody respected everybody. He couldn't understand that there was a separation between drugs and the club. Was it racial? Big pardon? Was it racial? Well, uh, you broke up again. Racial? Was it racial? Was it racial? Oh. Was it racial? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely racial. I mean, um, dude, I can tell you the story. We, 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 if I tell you all the whole story, we, we have to do another documentary. <laughs> yeah, well, let me, let me ask David this. With the with what Mr. Alonzo was saying right now, is this captured in the film? Yes, it is. Ooh. It's, captured in the, it's captured in the film. Like, and like uh, any documentary, then you have the B-roll. So yeah, like you have you can see like uh, writing tickets, you can see like uh, on the car, like so I had like images to to go with it, um, and it comes at the uh, uh, near the um, uh, second third of the film. So this is where like if you know how scripts are, are designed in the three acts of a, a script, this is where everything starts to go low. Um, so at this point in time, um, the audience has already. Uh, been won over by uh, by Mr. Williams there, so it's almost like you're sitting in the, in his living room at this point as he's telling uh, this story. Um, so this is like the the, the 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 we're talking about the shutdown part. So every every story, if you're in a film, it has like you trying to go rise, rise, rise. You just kind of like like Club 54, like all the big events and all those different things, and then this story comes right as we're trying to bring everyone down because you just kind of want to give people something they really love. And then you take it away. This is that taken away moment when people realize reality that we're still having issues with the police in our communities. Like this is where they, we, we go from 1985 to 2023 and, and, the, and the whole like um, uh, Black Lives Matter movement and all the different things that have gone on. Um, we start to make that correlation um, mentally and emotionally with our audience.
Yes, sir. Man, what was it about this story, uh, Mr. Stewart, that made you want to capture it on film or tell this story? I, I always feel like the stories choose you. Um, they talk about the Greeks that they at the beginning they 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 they, they talk to the muse like please muse give us give me the, the ability to tell this story, um, and so for me I, I grew up uh, DJing I DJ for about ten years from eighteen uh, years from when I was eighteen years old to twenty eight I was deep into DJing I've made a, a lot of movies um, about uh, hip hop and I actually owned a club for six weeks, um, so this is a story about. A, a gentleman who was a uh, who was working with teens, and I also work with uh, teenagers as well. Worked with teens, a DJ, and owned a club, so it was easy for me to get into this story because I saw a lot of. And at the same time, this this film is dedicated to our fathers um, and to Jeffy, who is the the building owner as well. So I had that father who was there for me you know, my entire life as well. So uh, there were so many similarities that allowed me to jump into this story and go, I can relate, I can relate, I can relate. I know this song, let's put this with you. And so it was one of those things where I, I felt like I, I was born to be the person to, to, to tell this story because I've lived pieces and parts where I could connect with the, the, main, the main conflicts. Absolutely. Mr. Williams, what made you want to work with Mr. Stewart? You know, I had met him. Um, we, there's another documentary being done on me called NWA, that was on Alonzo, and he came on board to help with that documentary. And um, for some reason, he didn't he didn't come on board. We stayed in contact, and um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good dude. I mean, and I like good dudes, and I'm a good dude myself. So, good dude, recognize good dude. And uh, we were talking about the about the Super Bowl. He says, "Man, we ought to do this." And I'm like, "You know what? Ain't nothing but, ain't nothing but, ain't nothing to it but to do it." And uh, we started working on it, and, it's, and, and it helps that he has the um, all the uh, film skills, the editing, and what, what have you. But I also have all the content, the pictures, and a, a lot of the uh, B-roll that we needed to make it happen. So it just it just made for a great team. Absolutely, um, working on this documentary and film did it. Uh... Uh, did it inspire some nostalgia? Man, wow. people in the movie cried, doing more crying than anything else. <laughs> wow. It, it touches a lot of people, man, because even as the dark was one of those venues, man, that um, the average person that was there at that time was 16, 17 years old, who is now in their 50s. And uh, the memories that we all share from the pop locking contest, Curtis Blow comes to the club. For the first time, Run DNC coming to the club, and just the fact that I wouldn't have had this club, but I wouldn't have my dad and his partner um, giving me a shot. You know, I never tried to be a club owner at 22 years old. I was a young DJ running up and down the streets, uh, happily doing what I was doing, doing house parties and dances from time to time. And um, my old man saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And his pot, he convinced his partner to give me opportunity. And although the club closed down in 2000, I mean in uh, in 1995, I still maintained a relationship with the club all the way up to 2019. So technically, I ran that club off and on in different capacities for over 40 years. For 40 years. Yeah. If you never would have had that venture with Eve at, Eve at the Dark, uh, where do you think you would have ended up in life? Working for Caltrans. 
I knew it. I, I was, the Caltrans was my destiny. My daddy was a big rig at Caltrans, and it wasn't until I decided to go out on my own that um, I defied him. We fell out for the first time in my life. I was a daddy's boy from the day I, from the day I was born. I was always a daddy's boy, and uh, he had he had trained me to become a Caltrans worker like him, and you know, be a foreman or a lead worker. In fact, my sister ended up with the same the, the same position. My daddy was training me for. My sister just retired from Caltrans as a uh, supervisor, and that was my dad's goal for me. My dad didn't he didn't finish high school. So he didn't have the education, but he was grooming me to do that. And I didn't want to do it. I did it for a couple of summers. I'm like, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that would have been my next alternative. I'd have been forced to go to Caltrans and dodge cars on the 405 freeway. Yes, sir. Man, that sounds like a story but, all too common. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. But 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 if, if, what, if, what even about me, though, if it wasn't for Eve After Dark, you wouldn't get a Dr. Dre, uh, an Easy E. You wouldn't get a Robin Harris, a D.L. Hewley. It wasn't just about Lonzo. It's what Eve After Dark represented to the whole community because that was the go-to spot for everybody, not just hip-hop, but comedy, musicians. All, a lot of people came from that, came to that, that spot uh, as youngsters, and that's where that was the, the, uh, the platform that lost a lot of careers. So even if I wasn't there... Um, Nobody else ever ran it before. Nobody ever ran it other than me, uh, as far as teenagers go. And uh, again, I think it would have had a, a, a bigger effect on hip hop if it wasn't there, as opposed to my personal life. Yeah. What were like some of the first things you did that uh, set Eve at the Dark into success as an early uh, club owner? Oh man, I had a a, a lady that I've been working with, an older lady. Um, and she was my backer, and my daddy told me always uh, never let your let never let your your your, your penis get interfere with your pockets, and uh, and we had a, a strictly business relationship for all this time, and uh, I learned that early, and I think the biggest thing that uh, got me off the ground was not to be a, was not to be afraid to be an innovator. People have a tendency, well, nobody does it like that. Well, who said you can't do it like this? So when you take chances, don't be afraid to lose. I lost I lost a lot, but I won, I won so big when I did win, nobody nobody remembers the losses. So one of my biggest wins was bringing Cameo to Eve After Dark uh, back in 1979 when it was hot as fish grease um, with their song Shake Your Pants. Oh, Shake Your Pants? I think, yeah, Shake Your Pants. And I brought him on a Thursday night, and that's what set the Eve off for almost two years because nobody had ever brought uh, an act like Cameo to uh, to the hood like that. And it wow. just made it just made the club and me just it just set us off. Then I brought Curtis Blow a couple of years later. Then I brought Run DMC a couple of months after that, and it just made it like, damn, this is the place to be. And you know, again, that was nobody was doing that. You know, nobody had ever done that in on on the east side of LA. Shh, unheard of. So I think that's probably the biggest way. Just the biggest thing was just not uh, not being afraid of uh, taking a chance. Yes, sir. And David, aside from being an independent filmmaker, you're also an education administrator. Man, there's magic in molding young minds to aspire to be great. Um, those, does any of those educational experiences help you prepare for what you do? What you do today in uh, film, documentaries, and in music? 
Yes, uh, I say a big part of, uh, of being an, an educator is listening to your students. Um, it's, 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 I don't think you're a good teacher unless your students are giving you homework. Like literally, if you are really challenging them and you really are, you know, meeting their needs, you're listening to them at such a level that they at the end of class will come up and say like and I, I teach uh, right now I'm teaching film classes for, for, for ages uh, 13 all the way to 35 um, or even older than that um, and at the end of class they walk up and go hey I heard you what you were teaching we we're talking about Silent Ear you know have you watched the movie Babylon that just came out and I'm like alright and they're like we expect to see next next week you need to have to watch that movie so we can discuss it because it directly relates to what you were teaching us about the silent era of um, of movie making. So that is the level that you ha- you have to be the biggest student in the room, and to only to do that you have to be able to listen. So a lot of my work in this documentary is sitting back and listening to people tell their stories, and then finding the overlaps and finding the ability to connect them. So one of the fun parts about this movie is that you have at times two people telling the same story at different times. And like a DJ, you're, we cut from one turntable to the other, like in terms of songs or you're mixing. So I have that effect going on in the film where you're hearing one person tell the beginning of the story and you cut over to the next person telling the middle of the story. And then they come back to the first person tells the end of the story, but it can go even faster than that. They, like one person says one word, the other person finishes the word, um, and so I find that, yes, uh, being a, an educator, um, the, uh, the caring piece and listening piece has made it uh, a lot um, easier for me to do documentary work. Yes, sir. And I think you do this flawlessly. I had a chance to check out a lot of your work that you've done previously. Um, what is like the secret sauce to helping actors or people involved in the documentaries to tell their story? Uh, the secret sauce, and believe it or not, my, my first mentor and my first advisor for my very first documentary was Julian Bond, the civil rights leader. He was my very, very first advisor. And I would go, he, he would, I went to the University of Virginia, he was teaching there, and I would uh, go and he would have this line of, out the door of students. And they weren't African-American students, but there were students that were just lined up every time for his office hour, literally 30, 40 people, he always let me cut the line to work on this documentary. Don't wait in that line. Whatever you need, just walk to the front and then I'll just have to bring you in as soon as I finish that other meeting. And he would sit and he would talk to me about strategies. And a lot of the strategies he would talk to me about would be about how you have to be careful about how I look and how I present myself and how I dress because a lot of people are going to want to give you the answer they think that you are going to want to hear. So if I'm talking about race and I'm talking to someone who's not African-American, they may not give me the best story so to, or the best, the best answer. So it, he was like, don't go to set that day. Hire somebody else to direct those interviews. Hire someone that's similar to the people that you are going to interview. So I was lucky for for this film. I had two amazing, three amazing people. Um, Sophia Easley, who interviews Lonzo. She's the first one. And that interview was in 2019. And it was just gold because there is an amazing chemistry that happened because he's now telling this story to 
Sophia. And I, he, he would have never told the story the same way with me or any of the other people on our, on our production team. And then for some of the interviews uh, we had to do with other people, there's one with uh, AK, um, the King of Pop, uh, Anthony King. And I had to take someone with me who had deep knowledge of Los Angeles of that time. So David Money Train Watts was the person who interviewed him. So I had to get somebody who definitely knows about pop locking and L.A. scene at that time. So it's sometimes it's not about me being in the room, but it's finding the best person to be able to talk to that that subject. So I feel like that's the, the secret sauce is knowing when it's time for me to back away and find out who is the best person that's really going to open this person up to tell the story. Because a documentary really works like a, a normal film that you need to have a star, you need to have some voices that are that are powerful and funny, and then you also have to have this, the straight voices that people are just regular, just calling as he is, and then you got to bounce back over to the funny people. So that we, we we have this great barbershop vibe. And that's why our, our, our my company is called uh, Trovision. And it's like truly real uh, content. And uh, one of our um, major lines is like quick cooning. Like we're, we do conscious, funny stuff. That So we take very serious topics and still somehow get people to laugh. And, and cry like, and I have to say Eve as a Dark is the first film I ever watched on my own that of my own work and I actually cried watching it wow. I finished the rough cut of it like I lost myself in the film not just like oh here comes this cut or this coming I literally fell into my own artwork and by the time it was over I was actually in tears and I was like oh my gosh I we, we have something yeah. I, was, I remember Lonzo was there I was like dude this is there's no way around if I can be tricked by my own movie and everybody will be. Man, that's powerful. I'm, I was taking notes too as you was talking. Man. I'm just learning, soaking up some knowledge. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's all good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, where can our listeners check out the film? When will it release? So we it just played at the uh, Pan African Film Festival, um, and that, it was February 17th. It had a, a showing. That was our world premiere, and then two days later, we also showed again at the Pan-African Film Festival. Uh, right now, uh, you can find out more information about the film at trillvision.com. That's T-R-I-L-L-V-I-S-I-O-N.com. Um, and we are doing other festivals. So we have some more festivals that we are, are going to show the film. And then, of course, uh, we have the Trovision platform and other various platforms that, uh, that will be later on this year. So we're still looking at our distribution options. Uh, but right now, we're enjoying our, our festival run um, at this time. Yes, sir. I'm just going to shoot this question out here, for both of you guys. Do we ever get the cop side of the story? Ooh. You can't get about the hood, can't get about the story. Say that again? They're always a factor. Ah, uh, yeah. He, he said you can't get him out the hood, can't get him out the story. <laughs> can't get him out the story. Man. So, wow. Always a factor, dude. I mean, that's, that's how you got uh, NWA, F the police. Yeah. Same thing, you know. Uh, you know, you got guys that are just doing what they do, and because somebody decides he wants to do what he do, now you got a conflict that's, you know, that's a simple interaction turns into a conflict. And that's the problem with a lot of the police in, the, in our area 
uh, an innocent man could be accused of something just because the person got the bad attitude. The person has a bad attitude, has something against one person, and it's like, dude, why are you messing with me? I'm not a dude. I'm a, you know, this, this, this is what he would tell me. I said, officer, I mean, uh, officer, what's the problem? I'm not an officer. I'm a, I'm, I'm a deputy. Well, deputy, what's the problem? But then, you know, no matter what I said, it was like talking to a gangbanger. You know, sometimes you talk to a gangbanger, no matter what you say, it's always escalated. And that's what would happen. It, it took everything that I I learned from my dad and other grown men not to say something smart to end up in the back of this damn car. Once I'm in this car, I'm on his playing field. As long as I'm free and I just, the most I had to do was put my hands on the car. Once I get handcuffs on me, I'm, I'm losing. I lost, okay? And that's the part a lot of cats don't understand, that, that especially these days. They think they can say any and everything. You probably, you probably can, but it's gonna, it may come with a price. It may come with a trip to the police station. A lot of my buddies got made that trip and didn't even get to the police station. They ended up in an alley somewhere with Billy Club up their ass, and they say, you know, excuse me, uh, a Billy Club up their head, upside their head, and uh, they think a lawsuit is gonna make that knot or that swelling or that um, that speech come back, dude. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. I I literally had dudes tell me, I'm going to get jumped on by the police. I'm going to sue him for half a million dollars. And he did it. But he can't hardly talk no more. He can't hardly he walk with a limp. No, nah, man. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. Go home, man. Oh, yeah. Man. That's never a good idea. Absolutely. So how, how should our listeners watch this documentary? Uh, definitely, I would say for them to, to check out uh, Trillvision.com. Um, there's also, we have Trillvision app. It's also on um, um, uh, Google Play as well as the App Store. Um, and once they have, uh, have engaged there, there's like a place to sign up and subscribe. And we definitely send out emails to uh, people to keep them updated. Like when we added an additional screening to our uh, the Pan-African uh, Film Festival, um, we were able to email and let people know how to do that as well. All so. right, all right. Listeners, just in case you need those links, I will have them in the description of this episode and in the show notes. So all you guys have to do is just click the links. Well, Mr. Stewart, Mr. Williams, I want to thank you guys so much for being our special guest tonight. It was truly an honor having you guys here and talking about Eve Out the Dark. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, for having glad, glad to be here. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. an important moment for uh, West Coast hip-hop, for the culture in general. All right. Yes, glad it is. You guys thank did. you very much. Yes, sir. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. Peace. Peace. Thank you. Thank you. My Vigilantes family, as always, for checking out my podcast over here at Vigilantes Radio Live. All episodes are available for free download, and you can grab it from either Spricker.com forward slash only one media group, Spotify, CastBox, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, the app Podcast Addict, or over at our website which again is onlyonemediagroup.com and that goes for every single show that we've ever aired if you like to request music or send something for me to play email it to vradio at onlyonemediagroup.com that is v as in victor and here's my disclaimer we are genre free we do not judge and we absolutely do not base our opinions on hearsay but facts alone and actually scratch all of that because all of my opinions are always right. That's the bottom line. This is my show, so deal with it. 
<laughs> just kidding on behalf of myself denny i appreciate all you guys for tuning in either afterwards or live with us spread the word because sharing is caring we stuffed up our game just for you guys and our guests to make sure that you have the best experience here on our show be sure to connect with me on facebook twitter instagram tumblr snapchat tiktok at all social media sites as well as spreaker youtube we always follow back okay well just remember to put yourself into everything that you do and never stop investing in yourself peace love grilled cheese and talk with you later And now listening to Vigilantes Radio, the people's choice for quality interviews, art, music, and hot topics. Hosted by Demetrius Houdini Black Reynolds of the duo No Longer The Hero. All episodes of this podcast are available for free download at www.onlyonemediagroup.com. This is a 7th Sign Regime, Rebirth Worldwide Syndicate Exclusive.